We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 241 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and I'm happy to welcome friend of the podcast and a member of the Austin Pena down in Texas. It's Armand Tabasi. Welcome to the show, Armand. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. And Armand, I wasn't planning, as you know, obviously, I wasn't planning on doing a second show this week, but after Barca's memorable comeback against Granada, I did want an audio record of some feelings that we had after this game. And yeah, you could watch my YouTube match review, you could... Join our Patreon and also get the match review a little quicker. But I wanted to actually have a podcast for all of our devout podcast listeners. And where Armand and I start today with is the fact that Barcelona dominated the first 20 to 25 minutes of this match. Also dominated from that first Griezmann goal in the 88th minute. The final stats here, 33 Barca shots, 17 on goal, 18 to nothing on corners. Possession was 79-21 or 80-20 depending on where you found your stats. It was the first time as well in the history of the club that they've scored three goals in extra time, completely dominant, bookending this match, Armand. And so listening to Ronald Coleman's comments post-game, he was talking about how they deserved a result. And we know that in football, you have to play the matches. You don't just get to win the match because you deserve it. I mean, Pep Guardiola would be undefeated if that was the case with the way he tries to have and style his teams. But did you feel like from this match that the bigger picture too about the narrative that if Barcelona didn't wind up winning this match, that it would have completely swung the pendulum into the way that this season was viewed because Barca deserved it but didn't get it? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think the the last two minutes completely changed the narrative 180. I mean, had we lost and been eliminated by Granada in, in the quarterfinal of the competition that we had the best chance of winning this year, it would have been the season's over. We can't even and win the Copa del Rey, but the fact that we won and we won the way that we won can we can hopefully hopefully this will be the boost that, to the team that we need going forward to to take into the second half of the season, and hopefully that's the narrative that the team takes forward, that Kuman takes forward, the fans take forward, and and we can use this as a platform for the next four months. Yeah, and the other thing I push back too about that pendulum swinging all the way back into this being a disjointed transition season is that the transition of this season is not one that is flip-flopped. It is felt like that, yes, when they lost the Supercopa final, so they miss out on a trophy, does Barcelona. But in this last month and a half, not only are multiple players in form, many of which obviously people know if we're talking about this match, we're going to talk about several of them, 
But the bigger picture, too, is that this team is not only in form, but they've been playing well for a month and a half. So even if there's one match, even if on the weekend here against Real Betis, Barcelona lose 4 nothing, I don't think that negates the way that Barcelona are not necessarily in transition at the moment. This is a team that has found their form. And are they going to beat PSG in less than two weeks? I mean, unlikely, they're still the underdogs in that situation. But it doesn't mean that everything that Francesca and I spoke about earlier on the Monday show, that one result in the Champions League winds up dictating the way we view all these seasons. Because the Liga and consistency don't necessarily, they're not what stands out in our minds. Because beating whoever it may be, whether it's, I know they didn't, they, we drew, I know Barcelona drew Ibar this season, but beating Elche and then beating Athletic Club two times out of three, we don't process that as in just a continual stream of Barcelona playing well. Each of those seems to be its own individual chapter. But, but when there's a bad loss, that becomes a center point, And then that dictates everything that came before it. Yeah, yeah. And the perfect example of that is, is well, the two perfect examples of that were the loss to Roma in the, the 2018 season where we were undefeated in La Liga before that. But that loss essentially was the narrative of the season. And then uh, the following season with the loss against Liverpool and then the, the Copa del Rey loss against Valencia, those two losses defined the season. And I think that this game would have defined the first half of the Cumin the 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 Cumin tenure had we lost and I think it like you're saying would have been un, a bit unfair given that in the last what 15 14 games since the the Juventus capitulation we have only lost once and that was in the the, the cup final against Bilbao so yeah I think it, it would have been unfair for the narrative to have been you know Barcelona fail again and and the season is over when we we've won like 10 or 11 of the last 15 games. Yeah, and speaking of narrative shifting, the rebirth of Griezmann is what I have in my notes to call it. The last nine games, Antoine Griezmann has, has scored seven goals and provided six assists. I have a lot more stats, but I'm going to let you go first on this one, Armand, that with Griezmann, what did you think of him throughout this match? And is the way that he stepped up in this match, does that change? And do you think this could be a landmark moment. I know that seems like a little hyperbole I'm putting on the spot, but do you think this could be a watershed moment for Griezmann where Kool-Aid's kind of give him a little more of a leash and don't turn on him in 90 more minutes against Real Betis, whoever it may be next? I hope so. I mean, two goals, two assists, and in, in what was one of the most dramatic wins of the last, I don't know, two, two seasons maybe. I, I hope that it is. I hope that that's how he uses it. I hope that he gets the credit that he deserves for the game. I mean, at the end of the day, if it wasn't for him and, well, I mean, obviously all the other players played a significant role, but two goals and two assists in, in what was the most dramatic and, and to this point, hopefully important one of the season is something that I hope he can take forward with him. And yeah, I, I think it would be harsh if, if another 90 minutes, poor 90 minutes next this weekend against Levant or against Betis derails that for him. I mean, what I'll say about Griezmann is is it kind of reminds me a bit of Suarez in that he, for the entire 90 minutes, he's not, you know, making things happen every time he touches the ball. He gives the ball away a decent amount. He kind of becomes invisible for, for portions of the game. But like we saw yesterday, he'll come up with with the, those moments. Um, two goals, two assists, like I said, and, and he's scored, I forget what how many you said uh, this season, he scored since the start of the calendar year, he's he's 
been on amazing form in terms of scoring goals. But I mean, at the end of the day, he he's was brought on to score goals, and and that's what he's doing. Even if he he might disappear for portions of the game. Yeah, and I'll keep hammering the point home that Griezmann is a different player than he was even last season. Last year, 48 games, 15 goals, and 4 assists. This season, it's 29 games, so 19 games less, 12 goals, so just 3 short of last season already, and 8 assists, so doubling his assists in about half the number of games, or 20 less games. And Griezmann has finally found, and, and in defense of Griezmann as well, we talk about it aplenty, that I mean, we can speak about Trincao a bit later, but it's hard for players. Younger players, yes. But we expect these superstar players like Coutinho, like Griezmann, and so many of the others that we've seen in the past, whether it's Terry Henry or Zlatan or even Luis Suarez, that these superstars at other teams are with high price tags are judged very harshly on their first season. And if you do not hit the ground running, I even think Mark Overmars is probably one of the best examples too, going back a little bit of time here, that if you do not hit the ground running, your time at Barcelona, even in one season, could be over. The fan base has already turned on you. I don't, don't mean the ones online. If there were fans in the stands, I'm not sure if Griezmann actually recovers this season because of the response he'd be getting at the Camp Nou in the first two and a half months of this season when Barca were dropping points in the Liga and he wasn't really finding the back of the net. Because of those 12 goals and 8 assists, 7 of those goals have come and 6 of those assists, as I said, have come in the last 9 games in January. So Antoine Griezmann, it's basically last season plus the first three and a half months of this year, and then January came, and now you're finally getting this Griezmann completely in form. Even prior to that goal, the previous 10 minutes, this is a something that he did well. He had a chance at the back post that he couldn't get back on frame, and he had the bicycle attempt, and he was constantly involved yesterday as much as his first touch kind of not irritated me, but he was struggling with his first touch. A, a few Barcelona players were, especially in the second half. You could tell the tension was there. And if you're Antoine Griezmann, you know that if Barcelona crash out, the first player, maybe not the first one based on Umtiti making the mistakes he did, but when it comes to the attacking side of the ball, you are the first player that Kool-Aids are going to speak about and how you need to step up, even though Griezmann has now stepped up in the previous month to capture Barcelona so many results. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. And Griezmann is a victim of his price tag. When you come in for a hundred million plus, the expectation is, and come in on the back of a few marvelous years at Atletico in La Liga, the expectation is that you're going to just hit the ground running and and continue the form that you that you had uh, in the previous seasons. And when that doesn't happen, the fans can turn on you, like we've seen. And and it's a lot more difficult for for a player to find his form, and we're 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 lucky that Griezmann is is now hopefully turning the page there, and and he he's he's getting his confidence back. You can see he in, in the goals that he scores, he's combining well with Alba and with Messi, and then that's exactly what we want. And and to, to see that happening finally is is something that we can all rejoice in. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, he was, particularly from the 88th minute on, his spacing, his runs were almost perfect. As I said, I could get on him for the, especially the second half. There was wasted movement. Defensively, he was putting in a shift, sure. But I want to break down these five goals then. Griezmann, 88th minute, that's where he scores that goal. He slips it in the near post. We saw it. It was a ball from Messi. This only happens really because no one from Granada closes down the space on Messi. Death's overlapping run that came in front of Messi wasn't that tricky. So this was a lot of Griezmann having to get himself on that ball. And once that went in, I think there was a ton of confidence added to Barcelona. And certainly Granada were fearing that this is going to be the end. And that Alba goal... The header from Griezmann, I, I'll, before I continue to go on with the other four Barca goals and break these down, Armand, I'll ask you, what was your favorite goal from yesterday? My favorite goal was probably the the final goal, the fifth goal, the volley by Alba after the, the little flicked cross assist by Griezmann. Uh, that was just a peach of a goal. And then another goal that I liked was Griezmann's second goal, the header, because this is a guy, I don't know exactly how tall he is, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, maybe, who jumped over two center backs to win a win a header to, to make the game. Uh, so that, that was just those two goals were the ones that stand out for me. Well, yeah, the second one I think is visually, I think team wise, maybe the most impressive. It was the header from Griezmann to Alba to tie it up. And it's also the one that obviously had me. I mean, very rarely as people, as listeners know, very rarely can you get a rise out of me unless Barca is actually winning the Champions League or, or hoisting a trophy. Do I even stand up and clap? It's just, it's just my nature. But I'm in my living room where I'm usually taking notes during the match for the, for the, for the match reviews. I'm standing in my living room. My wife is trying to do her work and yet I'm, I'm, I'm just dating. And I mean, yes, I, I celebrated and it was a silent cheer because I knew that there was still work to be done. But it was certainly the one that almost happened in slow motion. On the other side of the field, De Jong makes a crucial interception. Then Griezmann, a crossfield ball to Messi. Messi back to Griezmann. And the cross ball, the crossfield ball, as I think you just mentioned, Armand, from Griezmann to Messi to begin that after De Jong had made that interception was terrific. How he found Messi in that way, almost in stride. Then Messi holds, 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 and then back to Griezmann for the header for Alba right on the doorstep. And this is actually, as I rewatch this this play in particular, Really a breakdown from Granada that Diego Martinez and his and his and his crew it goes all the way back to our first point about how Barcelona were completely dominant and were wearing down Granada. What makes Barca deserving of these goals is that even though they weren't great in the second half, they were the superior squad that entire time. They created how many opportunities? Sure that they didn't go in and and Aaron was having a good match. But Granada were getting broken down and wearing down. The legs were getting tired. Even though Machis came on to start that second half for Granada, he was still completely worn out, even though Barca hadn't really moved the ball too quick in the second half. Because Montoro, who played and started that entire match, and Machis, again, they don't close down the space. Just like the first goal that Griezmann scores on the near post, they don't close down that space when Messi is on the ball. Vico also doesn't track Alba's run into the box as the ball is in the air. And good on Alba to notice that and just fly and sprint in the way we know he knows how to and then Falkir was stuck having to make a decision between tracking the ball towards Griezmann which is what he did and leaving Alba and leaving him wide open 
So they by making Fulkir make that decision, Messi, just with that simple ball in, whether it went to Alba straight away, which it probably wasn't going to, or reached Griezmann for the ball back in, I think that was the intention. And it's also a beautiful ball from Messi back in. I want to give credit, as I said, to the basically the assist before the assist, before his own assist for Griezmann, where Griezmann, Messi, Griezmann, Alba. And then we breaking down that 100th minute goal for Griezmann that gave them the 3-2 lead. Yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly that it was for Alba. I think it was even more difficult cross than we expected. But again, it starts with a deflected Messi cross. Alba then a one-touch cross hit, hitting in stride. And Griezmann still had so much work to do rising up between the two Granada players and getting it in. I think Granada even expected Alba to take a touch or two. And that's why Griezmann was ready for the cross in a way that the Granada center backs weren't. Moving forward, De Jong's goal on a rebound for the Messi shot. I think the most impressive part of this goal for me is the way that Messi actually receives the initial pass from Alba, letting the ball roll across his body to his right foot because Montoro is coming up on his back. Then a shoulder dip that, as we know with Messi, that, that beautiful shoulder dip he does gets Vallejo flat-footed. And that is, this is basically the Messi goal we always see where he goes across the penalty box horizontally, but without Messi actually finishing it. And also going from left to right instead of right to left as he's more comfortable doing than shooting on his left foot is probably the big reason why he didn't get enough on it to beat Aaron. But it was a brilliant move from De Jong as well to turn as Messi is rele releasing the shot and just so much more aware than the center backs. And finally, the volley, as you mentioned, the probably the mo the best aesthetically pleasing goal of the of, of the evening. Barca with five mm -hmm. players in the box and Machis doesn't help Neva. So another tactical breakdown from Granada. He doesn't help him with... Dembele. So Neva then is stuck between the two Frenchmen and Griezmann, as you said, outside of the boot to put the proper spin on it for Alba to just crush that ball into the goal. If Alba gets his foot through it like he did, unless he hits it right at Aaron's body, there's very little chance for the keeper to stop it. And as we broke down all five of those goals, I know it's a long way to review. You watch the match. Everybody knows how it happened. But the point that Armand, I, I want to lead you into is Messi had his fingerprints on all five of those goals. Even though he didn't get the goals, he had zero of the five goals. Even though he didn't get the assists, none of that happens if not for Messi. Yeah, yeah. And what is most pleasing to me is that this is, well, since since the, the contract leak came out, we've had two games with Messi. And in both games, he stepped up in, in massive ways. He scored the incredible free kick in, in the last game against Bilbao and the champion in La Liga. And then in this game, if it weren't for him, I mean, Griezmann and, and Alba, of course, like we mentioned, were magnificent. But if it weren't for him continuing to, to press and, and being at the center of every single attack, I don't know if we would have we would have won this game. And it's it's great to, to see Messi doing this after there have been so many questions, often unfairly, of, of his commitment to the team. Uh, for him to put the team on his back and, and like you said, had his fingerprints on every every goal. The first two goals were virtually the same pass by Messi into the into Alba and, and Griezmann, and then to see him just pressing forward and, and and trying to be at the center of 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 everything, dropping back, calling for the ball, and 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 making making things happen is 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 something great to see, and is what we want from our captain. Right, and that's the point too that Messi seemed to have that belief. And there are times with Messi as captain where it seems from his body language, not only did he have not the belief, but he didn't have the belief in the president, in the sporting project. And Armand, that's what people are kind of questioning now. You see that Messi is enjoying his football again. Barca are in form and winning matches. And he says that it, his decision to stay at Barca, it is as simple as enjoying 
playing the game and enjoying the squad he's in and the chance to win trophies. And if Messi is in the form he's in and he has De Young, who we're going to get to next, and Griezmann and his good friend Alba, and he has those players operating at the level they're operating at or and, and have been operating at for the last month, do you really think that it's things like that that are changing Messi's mind or has his mind or could his mind be changed if, if this is what Barca is and this is the Barca he's playing in because this is a Barca that might be able to win trophies next season if they're able to just kind of be this and this is what we can see? Yeah, I mean, I don't know where his mind is at post the, the leak of the contract, but I, w- I would say based off of how he's been playing, how the team is playing, contrasting that with what we saw at the end of last season and and we heard over the summer, I, I think that he, he, he'll stay personally. I mean, like you mentioned, a lot of things are coming into place right now. We have Griezmann finally coming back into form. We have Alba playing in my opinion very very good in at least in the last in this game and then we also have young players emerging and and showing that you know they can take on the mantle pedri araujo faki is injured but when he comes back um dembele is finally finding his form Puj, when he gets an opportunity is 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 playing well and i think at the end of last season it was more of like you know this is the end of that old guard and you had your Rakitic's and your Suarez, despite the fact that he's playing phenomenally this season, but you had, you had these, these older players that, that seem to not be able to, to give as much to the team. And now we have this new emergence. And I think that Messi sees that and you can tell that he's enjoying playing more than he, he has been maybe last season, maybe the year before. Yeah. And it's a good point with Dembele that Dembele, Griezmann and De Jong it's no coincidence that Dembele healthy and in his best, maybe not necessarily run of form, but in his most consistent number of games, healthy games in a row. So we're getting Dembele match in and match out, and he's able to express himself and not worry about injury, it seems like, at the moment. And then De Jong, he also had his fifth goal in seven games. That's the stat there for De Jong. And he's playing out of his mind at the moment. I, I've been praising him now for three weeks and just saying that, hey, what I saw at Ajax, I know that player is in there. Barcelona will get that player as opposed to when I don't mean to bring him up again. I was hard on on Monday, but same thing with Coutinho, where my worry is always that in Barcelona's system or any system that Barcelona might have that also involves Griezmann and Messi, you're never really going to get to see the best Coutinho that we see for Brazil or going all the way back to the Liverpool days prior to even when Klopp made the switch to Firmino, Salah, and, and Sadio Mane on the other side. So uh, Klopp, yeah, this is a long time in the past. And as I said, my worries about Coutinho were not the same with De Jong. In the same way that Griezmann, I was always worried because of his spacing and because of where he was going to fit. But for De Jong, this is finally where he belongs. It makes a lot of sense. And the way that he was so impressive, again, particularly, yeah, he had the interception for the tying goal in the in in, in stoppage time. And then he also had his own goal to wind, to wind, to wind up being the winning goal on, on the 4-3 there. Sure, but to have Messi have the confidence that De Jong and Debele and Griezmann are all in top form, that on paper, that's what we had said at the start of the season, that if Griezmann, if De Jong, if Dembele are all the players that we know that they can be, if the and Dest didn't even arrive at the beginning of the season, but if Dest is as good as advertised, he's even better than advertised, right? If, yeah, Al, yeah, if, yeah. if, if Fati can be as good as advertised or, or as we expected him to be, Pedri has been beyond our expectations. Somehow we've gotten this yep. far and have yet to mention Pedri again. And all those players almost exceeding expectations because expectations kind of got pretty low. This is exactly the kind of team that Messi does want. And regardless of how old he is, the game that Messi played yesterday, I think this is my big argument too. The game that Messi played yesterday, he can play that game, that kind of 
he can put his fingerprint on a match like that until he is 35, 36 years old. You can do yeah. that for another year yeah. or two. Yeah, yeah. And, and and sorry, just go back. I mean, you brought up Pedri, and I think that this is the point that needs to be made, is that Pedri, I don't think, will get much credit for the performance yesterday, but I think that he deserves a lot of credit. I mean, he wasn't directly involved in the goals, but it, when Busquets came out, it was Pedri that went and filled that hole and was not playing as far back as Araujo, but he was he was, he was was far back, and he, he was – he was there and he was filling in that role that allowed the team to continue to press forward. And I don't think that's something that he necessarily expected to be doing and stop it extra time in, in a cup quarterfinal, but he did it. And, and because of, of that, we were able to push forward and, 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 and go on and get a few more goals. But yeah, like you were saying, these, these players are, are finally showing what we want them to, to display. And, and a lot of them are young players. Dest is another one, and it's 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 what we wanted to see last season, and and now we're seeing it. Yeah, I also want to give credit to uh, to bring up the Pedri point that in the 76th minute, Puj comes on for Busquets. So obviously more Puj to talk, to discuss, but Puj comes on for De Busquets. De Jong then comes mm-hmm. back in a four one four one. We call it that. Pedri was then technically the pivot, but De Jong was pushing yeah. forward a plenty, and then Pedri would drop back. But by extra time. Before Pedri came out for Langley, Pedri was, as you mentioned, about as far back as Araujo. Barcelona had so much possession that there, yes, there was only one center back basically playing, you know, as a stopper, uh, as as old here in the United States, at least we were a long time with tactics to get to anywhere. So we had what was called, a, you know, this sweeper slash stopper position that was basically your most athletic player who would just stand back there, be the farthest back near the goalkeeper and do his best as an athlete to, to cut everything out. And that's what Araujo was doing. Yeah. But yeah, the way that Pedri so intelligently supported Puj. Puj was set up in the middle of the pitch uh, in a four... It wasn't really, again, at a 4-3-3 at all. There weren't two interiors. There was really only one interior with the young being almost anywhere he wanted to be to cut out attacks and to begin attacks as well. Pedri was the defensive one, and then Puj was playing as an attacking midfielder, really as a number 10, and having to be the guy who... If Granada were looking to clear, it was Puj's job to put pressure and make sure that clear was a little more difficult and not get it out to an outlet that Araujo wasn't going to be able to deal with alone. And for Komen, to go back to him, where he deserves credit is taking out Umtiti, then moving back Busquets, taking out Busquets mm-hmm. and moving back Pedri. That is very, very risky. And you could say that, sure, part of that was because Umtiti was poor and Trincao not too great after having a bright start in the first 20, 25 minutes. I don't know. Armand, you can say something about Trincao in this answer if you'd like to. But you could think that it was, you know, too soon to take out a center back in that situation. And should he have just replaced Umtiti with Langley because Umtiti was, you know, not really having the best match. He was majorly at fault for both of the goals. And Coleman still decided to not just throw everybody on, even Brothwaite. He didn't just throw everybody on. It seemed like unlike that first time out where Frances had even argued with me that uh, Johan Cruyff used to do this too, where he would throw out a ton of attackers at the end of matches and it looked like yeah. it would be helter-skelter, but they understood their roles. And it seems like to me where I said at the beginning of this year when Coleman threw out, and I don't remember exactly which game it was, where Coleman threw out four or five, I think it might have been Cadiz, where he throws out five attackers late in that match with seemingly yeah. no plan. And yet he this time it seemed like too. there was a plan. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he'd done that a few times, and, and that was something that, that I had worried about. He, it, it's it, The, the Cadiz game and, and the Hitafe game, I remember also, he, we were down 
um, going into the last 20 minutes. And it felt like he was just throwing on every offensive player we had on the bench with no rhyme or reason. And then it was clear that there was no rhyme or reason because it was just like six players grouped in the, the Hitafe or Kazi's final third uh, with, with, with no plan. And this time it seemed like there was a plan. It seemed like he had communicated the plan with the players that had come on. And, and we, like you said, we saw Pedri move back. We had seen Busquets move back the first time. Um, and and it was we we're still organized. Messi dropped back also a little bit. And and this time it worked out. And I think this is something that we have to give Kuman credit for. Um, he his substitutions were 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 great yesterday. It, and that's something that we hadn't seen in in the previous months of, of this season. And six times this season, here's the other stat for you about mistakes. Six times, it really wasn't Coleman's fault in that there have been more errors leading to goals than any other Liga team this season in all competitions for Barca. Remember the one with Neto, the one with Ter Stegen when he just came back. Lengle mm-hmm. had one. Araujo had one where he had the ball taken right off him in transition. Messi had made a pivotal mistake at about, what, I think in, at the end of December. And then Umtiti winds up getting credit for, they call it an error, as is the stat. So Umtiti gets a, an error on the first goal yesterday. So that is six errors, individual errors, where you can say to that one player, you made this mistake, cost Barca goals, and cost Barca a result. And that's not necessarily on Coleman. Yes, Coleman puts his players in positions to succeed, but those are individual mistakes we don't expect of players of that quality to make, and that is what has cost Barcelona some points, particularly in the Liga this year. And so I want to end this, Armand, with with a big question about going all the way back to what we began this conversation with about narrative, that Barcelona yeah. now advances to the Copa del Rey semifinals for the 10th time in the last 11 seasons. They're going to face either Athletic Club, Levante, or Sevilla. And the way Barcelona plays against Levante, the 5-4, which stopped the unbeaten run with Valverde a few seasons ago now, Barcelona and Real Madrid, both those teams actually struggle with Levante. It's Valencia and Villarreal, their neighbors, that wind up walloping Levante usually. Uh, Athletic Club, they beat Real Betis today. And my goodness, if Barcelona have to face them again for four times in a month and a week. And then Sevilla, of course, is going to be a difficult opponent as well. Lepertegui's squad, capable of having a good day at any moment. And even though those three teams are difficult opponents for Barcelona, I would still say the Copa del Rey, is over especially with the semifinal being two legs and then yes obviously you have to win the final but so with a two-legged semifinal Barcelona are the superior team of all four of these teams I think and the, in the form that they are in at the moment and with the semifinal being two legs this is Barcelona's trophy to lose still yeah I think it is um you know I mean just if you just look at the, the La Liga table we're we're the highest out of any of the the four teams left but it, it is ours to lose and and you with with Levante there, who who have beaten us in the past, with Bilbao, who beat us in the Super Cup final, and with Sevilla, who you know we know how they are in, in cups, evidenced by their incredible run in the Europa League. I mean, it, it's not going to be easy. I mean, just because the, uh, Atletico and, and Madrid aren't aren't in it anymore, it, it's not. It, we're not going to just you know waltz our way to the to to the trophy. It's it's going to be tough, and and I hope that. You know, I, I, I trust that, that we're going to take it as seriously as, as we would have if, if the opponents were Madrid, Atletico, and, and uh, I don't know, Villarreal or, or Valencia. Or, or Valencia have been terrible this year, but or some other top Spanish team. And and I, I trust that that's going to happen. And I think that we should win it. We do have the most quality out of any of the remaining teams, but it's it's going to be tough. We're, we're going to have to grind out the results, and I anticipate the games being as tough as they were 
in the quarterfinals and 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 the the previous round when we also won an extra time. Yeah, and with the Champions League and the Copa del Rey now in the next two months, I mean, basically the next six weeks, both of those to be decided. Well, and by the Champions League, I mean obviously the the two legged tie against PSG. So with those things to be decided, I'm interested to see what. Coleman's going to do with his rotations and this is a younger squad anyway so there's been plenty of rotations and injuries have also limited Barcelona aplenty so usually it's a Copa del Rey where you really lean in on rotation but what I'm interested to see if if he does decide the inverse and say hey I'm actually going to show you that we don't think the league is possible by by putting that by by kind of switching it up and resting certain players in certain spots I have the feeling that this is not the Barca way. This is, uh, and not, I don't mean that in the Cruyff way. I mean that this is not what recent Barcelona managers have done. The expectations of winning is just too high. Even the Liga, to give up on the Liga is something that Sergio Ramos is willing and Florentino Perez have been willing to admit for Real Madrid in previous seasons against Barcelona. But against Atletico, uh, Atletico Madrid with this many games still left to play, even though we know the Liga is gone, I don't think Coman is going to be able to admit that. But again, it will be quite interesting to me if he does choose to do that. And all that said, I don't know how we'd even know that, right? Because he's already started Trincao in what I think was a really important match against Granada in the Copa del yeah. Rey. So yeah. I don't, I'm not actually sure what rotation he could use to show us that it that he's willing to do so other than, you know, bringing up Callado. And I've been calling for Hondo Oriana, but we're not going to see him this season. Yeah, and I mean, maybe giving Conrad De La Fuente and ES Mariba more likely the run out. And that's yeah. how we really truly know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that he'll put all the eggs in the Copa del Rey basket for sure. Like we just said, this that's the the tournament that we have the best chance of winning. I, I mean, we're right now. What is it? Ten points behind Atletico, and they have a game in hand. I think that one is the game is against Bilbao. So I mean, not necessarily a win, but the way they've been playing, it maybe probably at least eleven points after after their game in hand. I mean, it, it's tough. I. Don't like you said. I, I, it's not the Barca way. I don't anticipate him, uh, you know, just throwing in the towel there. Especially if we if we get knocked out of the Champions League in the round of sixteen against PSG, I I think we're gonna go. We're just gonna go all in for La Liga, uh, despite the fact that it might be still at this point out of reach. But yeah, I, I think I anticipate the the Champions League round of sixteen game and how that goes. If if we are able to, that that's a huge test. And if we can beat PSG over two legs, I think that would reaffirm to the team that look, this momentum that we have, this this run of form is real. It's it's it, we we can continue this. We just you know throughout this these fifteen games we've beaten decent teams but not a PSG and if we can beat a PSG over two legs I think that will will tell us that you know this is real we can continue pushing forward and and with that I think he'll maybe take his foot uh, hard to say if he'll take his foot off the break of of La Liga if if we win the Champions League and progress but yeah like you said it'll it'll really depend on how the next month and a half go well, we're going to keep breaking down, of course, that PSG. We're going to have previews on YouTube. Francesca and I will talk about it aplenty. But for now, I do want to thank you for not only listening, but I want to thank Armand, our guest, for coming on and talking about all things Barcelona, memorable comebacks, and basically putting this in people's ears so that uh, we have a record of it. So thanks, Armand. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thanks to you again, the listeners, for tuning in. You can tap in your app and check out the show notes to subscribe. You can find us on social media, on Twitter, at the Barcelona Pod, at HiltonD13 for me, and on Instagram, at the Barcelona Pod. Closed Facebook group, tbpod.link backslash group. Deeper dives and discussions and all that. And then on Patreon, thank you to our new patrons. That's where we find these match reviews as well, if not on YouTube. 
tvpod.link backslash Patreon. Also, they help us continue to make these shows on YouTube at the Barcelona Podcast. You know that we're there as well. Check us out and hit that subscription button. And again, thank you there as we got to 5,000 subscribers recently. So thanks for everyone who hit that subscription button over there. But this ends it for the Barcelona Podcast. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.